This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Mind Your Own Podcast with Aaron Sorensen and Sasha Durkin. Where we stick to sports, except when we're not. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Own Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Sasha. And it is a snowy, cold, icy day in Nebraska. Depending on where you are, you are probably also facing some kind of winter weather because I saw when I was watching a little bit of the news that apparently whatever, there's like multiple storm systems going through the country right now. So if it provides any solace to anyone, we're all in this together. We're all dealing with winter again. Yeah. It was just fake spring. Just fake spring. Yeah. I always, uh, so we have some podcasters on our network that come in from out of state and, um, they didn't pack great because oh, they no. saw it was going to be like 60 degrees one day. And I was like, um, it was Danielle from innocent till tipsy. She lives in Orlando. She came in, it was like 50 when she got here. And the next morning she walked outside <laughs> with a t-shirt, but it was like 20 degrees. I'm like, yeah, um, looking at the forecast, it's going to be 60 something, almost 70 on Sunday. And by Tuesday we're at negative temperatures. So yay. My sinuses love it. Yeah. I, so I actually, over the weekend, I woke up uh, one day with a sore throat and you can kind of still hear it a little bit in my voice. I have taken a COVID test. I'm negative, but I, what I think actually happened is I think it's my allergies and my sinuses uh. because with the weather having gotten so nice recently, a lot of things started to get kicked up and I am not complaining about that at all. But like the one thing about those days that happen so early where it's not yet spring, but the, the world around us starts to kind of think it is. I, yeah, I woke up and I was like, my, my throat is sore. Then the funny thing is, is by the next day it wasn't sore any longer. And now it was just more like, my nose was itchy, my eyes. So once I started kind of recognizing the signs of like other allergy stuff, I'm like, oh, I bet my sinuses are just not loving what has been going on. And so it's this like swing, these constant swings of like, we've got some nice weather. So the world starts to shift into like, is it spring yet? And then it comes back. And so if you're somebody who has allergies or sinus issues, you probably are feeling it right now. Because like I said, I, (laughs) I took a COVID test and I was convinced. I was like, oh yeah, no, I'll probably have it and did not. But like my symptoms actually don't even, didn't even really fully match COVID outside of just me feeling like I had a sore throat, but it was gone so quickly. And then I started to feel like allergies. So I'm like, don't you just love it? Yeah. yeah. Just right. <laughs> the great time where you have no idea what it is you're dealing with. And then there's just general sickness. I will say, cause I'm recording from home, my neighbors, this is the, t- the type of snow we've gotten so far. They're not shoveling. They're just brushing their sidewalks off right now. They just have a, uh, they just have a uh, broom and they're just brushing the sidewalks off. So at least it's not bad. Yeah, it's pretty windy. And so I don't think 
we'll even bother um, doing that today because yeah. <laughs> it's well, just, just going to blow around. Recommend recommendation: just use a broom. Um, exactly. Well. First and foremost, I just need to, I need to apologize. Not that I think anyone even noticed. Uh, last week, I was so confidently talking about Shakari Richardson and calling her Shakari. I, I just, I feel awful about it. Her name is, she literally goes by Carrie. So mm-hmm. if you take Sha out of her name, which she does often, um, it's Carrie. And so I don't know why I was putting the uh, softer a in there. I, I knew better. It like, I literally finished recording with Sasha and was like, I knew I was mispronouncing her name and I just could not process in the moment. So anyway, uh, my deepest apologies for that. Cause it is Shakari Richardson and I, you know, no disrespect to her at all because she's fantastic. Um, but we also did say last week that we were going to talk about something different on this podcast. And then this morning before we started recording, I messaged Sasha and was like, you know what? we probably should just wrap the Olympics because it feels like each week we've talked about something and it has just gotten worse since we've talked about it. Yeah. And I, I want to provide some context to this. This has been one of the least viewed Olympic games Mm -hmm. to date. And I talked a little bit about this with Greg Smith on his straight up breakdown podcast, which you can go and listen to as well. That's already out and available but we chatted about, you know, just what I had I been watching the Olympics. And unfortunately, this was the lowest primetime viewership on NBC. I don't think NBC is like going to go look to give up the Olympics anytime soon. It's still a hot commodity, if you will. Mm-hmm. But let's see. The two-week event, which concluded with the closing ceremonies on Sunday, but interestingly enough, there are still events that take place after the closing ceremonies, just like there are events that took place before the opening ceremonies. It's just how it's done. The two week event averaged 10.7 million viewers per night on NBC. That number slightly rose to 11.4 million. When you included all of their other viewing platforms, obviously they had Peacock, they had uh, different Olympic channels that you could find on your TV. Tokyo was the previous lowest and that was 15.1 million in primetime viewership. So it's been about five, four and a half to five million viewers lower on average in primetime. So, I mean, four years ago, the Winter Olympics were at about 17.8 million viewers a night. Now, NBC owns the, the rights to the Olympics through 2032. So, again, they're not they're not giving up on this anytime soon. I think I think if you probably consider like it, I, I, I just want to offer this to the athletic did a nice deep dive on kind of what happened and the athletic, you know, brought in the fact that this, their digital presence for the Olympics has changed as well. So like I brought up Peacock, which did launch in 2020, these things do shift how people watch things. Like suddenly mm-hmm. things are available at any time. So if you wanted to watch curling in real time, you might be watching it at one in the morning, but you can do that. You don't have to wait. Um, if you want to watch, the snowboarding competition at the moment it happens, you can do that. Now you don't have to wait for the prime time. This was the first, this is the first Olympics too, where they actually had the opening ceremonies broadcast live. I think it was on Peacock, but one of their digital platforms did it live, but then you could do it. You could watch it again in prime time. So that does shift how viewership comes along. Like it does change things, but I would argue, and I think this is kind of the point a lot of people are getting to, is that unfortunately, this Olympics was really, um, there was a lot of controversy surrounding this Olympics. And it wasn't just one thing 
that really caused it. It was a lot of things. I mean, even like you just look Google Olympic controversy and the top headline from Sports Illustrated is overshadowed by controversy and corruption. The troubled Beijing Olympics come to an end. The thing is, is like we talked about this on our original episode about the Olympics, about this particular Olympic Games, uh, when we were talking about how, you know, at least take a moment to look at the culture of the host country, which still 100 percent like, please like get to know a little bit about the host country because it's just an opportunity to learn at the same time, which we didn't get into this. But China also has a lot of uh, human rights or and just. There's a lot of con- there, there's a lot of government corruption. Um, there's, I mean, surveillance on the part mm-hmm. of the Chinese government. There's authoritarianism. Um, journalists and athletes were being asked to use burner phones because they couldn't promise what would happen if they brought their their actual phones into the country. Um, there's there's the just the human rights element in China, which was a big concern from the get go. Um, But then on top of it, there just it seemed like controversy after controversy on top of it outside of the Olympics. You have everything that's happening between Ukraine and Russia, which this is a very like contentious situation. So people's attention is going elsewhere. Mm -hmm. It just there's a lot happening. And then you take into account everything actually happening with happening within the games themselves. And it just, I, I think it's hard for a viewer. And I use myself as an example. I just didn't find myself wanting to spend my evenings just consuming this without, I, I don't know. It's just really hard to want to be, to spend my nights doing that. I don't yeah. know. It was just, it's, it, it just, was which is so strange because I love the Olympics typically. Yeah, I do too. I like there were I'm not a huge like a avid watcher of the Olympics, but when it's on, you know, I'll at least try to watch a little bit of it depending on what what's what the event is. But this time it was I don't know, it just wasn't as engaging and I'm not really sure why exactly that reason is. And it could be everything that you just listed. Um, I think it's hard to get into and support something um, just event wise, not just specifically the athletes Um, always going to support the athletes, but um, I think it was just difficult this time for whatever reason to, to really have it hold my attention. It just, I think a lot of people kind of asked the question of, and this, this question came from Sports Illustrated, but like, it was any of this really worth it? And when it comes to the athletes themselves and the talent that you're able to put on display, like I'm never going to discredit any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was just a lot of, I, I mean, it, it just, there's a, there just, there's just a lot of controversy. I don't really know how to like say that any differently, but I mean, even like the, the, uh, they handled COVID as best as they could, but there's still like concerns about just like hosting an Olympics during what was kind of starting to peak internationally of through another wave of when we were seeing the beginning stages of Omicron, there was that whole thing. And then you have 
the fact that people would be watching, say, the snowboard event on TV and they'd look over and it was like a nuclear power plant is sitting right next to the yeah. like, there's just a lot of things I think that made people very uncomfortable. And it was just kind of like, ooh, this, you know, this is not great. I mean, here's just I'm going to I'm reading from Sports Illustrated, which, again, if you just Google Olympics controversy, this is they're overshadowed by controversy and corruption. This is one person who was this is I'm going to go get the name of. So Alex Pruitt from Sports Illustrated was they they asked a bunch of their different reporters to basically give their feedback on the Olympics. And this is coming from Alex Pruitt and said, OK, imagine that you're sitting in a talent agent's office and you're pitching this idea of the Olympics. What follows as far as what you offer is that a figure skater ex- executes five flawless quadruple jumps and um so where did they I did I just oh sorry they were presenting all of the good stuff so like the five flawless quadruple jumps you have somebody who over a snowboarder overcoming personal demons you know a black speed skater making history five years after stepping onto the ice for the first time so giving all of these like different like here's all the so like you're a talent agent right and you're like oh my gosh this is like amazing like these are these stories that we want to tell but then you have to add into there that um a cross-country skier is selected to light the cauldron, uh, whitewashing accusations of genocide. And she had been, there were whitewashing accusations of genocide against her people. Uh, tennis star is trotted out for a photo op before again, vanishing from the public eye, which that is a whole, uh, shit storm too. If like, again, going into this whole thing that there just felt like, so <sighs> people wanted to essentially know where Ping Shua she was, excuse me, like the Olympic committee was telling you she was fine. China was telling you fine. But again, they like roll her out for a photo op and then she disappears again. It's a whole, like, that's a whole thing. Um, you have like, I'm just like looking at all of these, you have athletes sobbing in isolation coaches, uh, uh, you know, looks like they're abusing their children, like these children on an international stage. So you only imagine what is being done when the cameras aren't on. There's the doping scandals. There's um, a Ukrainian athlete asking for their country not to be invaded. So sorry, I'm doing a terrible job. I'm trying not to just like read this like verbatim. But again, this is what Alex Pruitt for the Sports Illustrated was explaining of like, yeah, you had all of these positive things that happened, but then you had all of these other things where suddenly you're like, yikes. Um, yeah. What what's <laughs> what do you make of that then? And I just I don't know. I Like I said, I think I'm a little bit in shock because what I was telling Sasha that I felt like we needed to talk about is we had been talking about. Um, 15 year old Russian figure skater Camilla and how we thought and I still again I still think she's a once in a generation talent I really do I'm I will be blue in the face before I give that up Mm -hmm. she's incredibly talented she's been caught in something that she's only 15 years old and it's just like a 15 year old shouldn't be caught in this but then after we recorded the previous episode she ended up winning the short program which it was like all right not great in the sense that like there wasn't a medal ceremony. There's a mm-hmm. lot of controversy around that, but they got to the free skate and things just went really bad, went really South. She fell twice. One was so bad. It dropped her to fourth place, but then two other Russian figure skaters wh- who won first and second are 
crying and like weeping and talking about how they don't understand what happened. And people are watching this on TV. And I admittedly wasn't watching it live, but I started to see some of it on Twitter. And people are noting like how they look like their coach is abusing them in the way that like Mm -hmm. the whole thing is playing out. It just, it makes it really hard to get excited when you're watching this is what you're watching. I, again, yeah. I'm sorry to everyone. I've done a terrible job explaining all this, but may it, may it show you that the Beijing Olympics have been nothing short of an absolute shit show. Yeah, absolute absolutely. shit show. <laughs> I think that it's, it's, I saw some of that on Twitter too. I, as everyone knows who listens to our podcast, I don't check it quite as frequently as, as I used to. Um, but I saw some of that stuff coming out and I was like, man, like, this is just an, another layer to this. Dis- I feel like disastrous onion um, <laughs> that, that were the Olympics. Um, I feel bad for, for those athletes. Um, mm-hmm. That's just, and we kind of talked about this last week, but that's just, it's brutal to watch, to, to, ha- to experience their emotions as much as you can, not being them, but like watching this unfold was, was pretty difficult to watch. Yeah. Cause so Buzzfeed, I, I do want to just say, if anyone wants kind of like a really good overview of what happened pr- specifically with the Russian figure skating situation, Buzzfeed has a really good article by Paige Skinner. It's called what is going on with the Russian figure skating drama at the winter Olympics. I recommend going and Googling it and looking this up. Paige does a nice job of explaining everything very, very like in order of what happened. Mm -hmm. So her first question of what is going on. So explaining everything with Camilla and her positive test. And again, everything that was then said in the question of fairness around Shakari Richardson and what she faced in the summer Olympics. Um, So again, Camilla was allowed to compete. um, But when they got to the free skate, she fell and um, fell twice. One was pretty catastrophic in the sense that like it dropped her to fourth place, which for reference in this, her, her programs are so difficult that she can fall and it's pretty difficult to overcome her because the way figure skating, like gymnastics work is you have a score of like basically how tough your routine is, how mm-hmm. tough what you are going to do is. And if you have a really, really difficult skill, uh, it doesn't matter if you fall somewhere else because that score is so much higher. It do- it does encourage athletes to go for bigger, tougher skill sets because it allows them to gain more points. And like in her case, her per- her whole like performances were so difficult that it was like nearly impossible to overcome her. So for context, for her to fall and go all the way to fourth place, that's how bad it was. Mm-hmm. When she came off the ice, her coach was so she's in tears. She is visibly upset because this is not what she had wanted. Her coach is asking her and doing so in a very, like was very hard on her asking, why did you let it go? Why did you stop fighting? Explain to me why, um, the IOC president, Thomas box said it was chilling to watch that called it tremendous coldness from the coach to, uh, their athlete, uh, noticed that, the young athletes were distraught said rather than giving her comfort, rather than trying to help her, you could feel this chilling atmosphere, this distance box said at a news conference on, and this was uh, this previous Friday. So 
in place of Camilla, she obviously uh, did not meddle in the free free skate. I am not even going to attempt to say their last names because I'm going to just absolutely butcher them. Her teammates, Anna, who's only 17 years old, and her other teammate, Alexandra, who is also 17, won gold and silver. Japan's uh, Kaori, who is 21, won bronze. Um, So you might sit here and say, well, for the Russians, they have to be happy, right? Yeah, Camila didn't win, but they had their first and second place skaters were from Russia. Um, The coach she didn't she was not happy or no excuse me not the coach I my brain is like completely now the coach wasn't happy um (laughs) but the the young woman who won silver she was talking about how she hates the sport people could hear her yelling and shouting in the in the rink in the venue about how she upset she was and she was saying Everyone has a gold medal, everyone, but not me. I hate skating. I hate it. I hate the sport. I will never skate again. Never. Um, so it was, they pan then the cameras after witnessing this pan to the young woman who won gold. And she's just like, absolutely just like shell shocked. She is not giving anything. You can tell she's just like, doesn't know how to act. Here's this moment yeah. that should have been excited um, overjoyed. And she's just sitting honestly in like a state of disbelief. Mm -hmm. And she was asked about it and said, I still don't comprehend what has happened. On one hand, I feel happy. On the other hand, I feel this emptiness inside. Uh, they did make it to the podium to get their medals. Here's the thing. And this isn't in this NPR article, but this is something I read elsewhere. The, The young woman who won silver, uh, the, the belief system was that she had a dip more difficult routine, that she performed it better and she still won silver. And somehow the young woman who won gold, it was like they didn't want the young woman who won silver to win gold. There, there's a lot of like wrapped up in that. And mm-hmm. I, I think this is kind of going into showing like the pressure that falls on these. Any sport that is judged like gymnastics, like figure skating, Anything that is judged has room for that kind of thing to happen. Um, those criticisms have come up in in those sports for a long time. Of like, did this person truly deserve the gold medal? This this person, it is. Um, there is a level of uh, it's subjective where the judges might feel at that moment like, oh, that was great. And the the thing that I will say is the way that people viewed what was happening was that one young woman was having a temper tantrum for me. I excuse the behavior that she, that she showed because clearly, clearly there's something going on where she is so upset that she cannot process what is happening in that moment. And she's not exactly getting a ton of support from her coach, her coach, their coaches look, the coach looks mad. Everyone just looks angry. Everyone looks disappointed and it's just like can you imagine can you imagine just no, like <laughs> i can't you, I bra- you'd be losing it <laughs> oh yeah yeah for sure i and i think that that's maybe part of the i don't want to call it sad it is kind of sad to like not be able to experience the joy of even just being there because there's so much pressure on you this made me think a little bit it's not a direct parallel by any means, but made me think about Michaela Schifrin and how she got a lot of flack on social media because she didn't perform the way that 
the expectations were set for her to perform. Um, and then I can't even imagine, imagine one, the immense pressure that you already are putting on yourself to perform at the level that you expect of yourself then to fall short. And then if you come off after having a great performance and then aren't, don't feel like you're allowed to feel the joy of having accomplished what you just accomplished because it wasn't good enough mm-hmm. <laughs> somehow. Um, it's, I, I can't even imagine that kind of pressure. Um, I think then that just goes into a, a, maybe even a larger conversation just about the amount of pressure that athletes experience to perform at their best at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say who <laughs> yet, but um, I'm also happen to be the producer for one of our other podcasts, um, Athletes Unfiltered. And they just had a guest on, And he talked about when he was playing at Nebraska and just the immense amount of pressure that he placed on himself, that every single mess up he ever had in a game just carried over. And he didn't feel like he was allowing himself to be the athlete he is now because he focused so much on the things that he performed poorly versus his overall performance in general as an athlete. Um, And I think something that, that Michaela Schifrin said was you can fail and not be a failure. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's super important. Like, just the overall conversation of the amount of, of pressure that athletes feel and endure that a lot of us, one, don't have firsthand knowledge of, but two, I think sometimes that isn't taken in consideration when you think about, you know, we've had conversations about Simone Biles and her decision for her mental health to take care of herself, um, to not injure herself. And then the backlash that happens it wasn't from her coach, but the backlash that happens from people spectating from whatever. I think that, um, the grace that we always talk about giving other people, like why isn't that also extended then broader brush to athletes? Why, why is there it to me? That seems like a double standard. Like we want to, you know, I think as a general rule as human beings would like to be kind to one, one another, understand each other, um, you know, be mindful of, of what other people are going through in their lives. But why don't we do that for athletes too? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, this is, this is what's so sad about this whole situation is leading into, so this, this was a story that was on NPR about midway through the Olympics was in the headline reads in the midst of scandal, three Russian figure skaters hope to elevate their sport. The Russians put a lot of emphasis. And I want to just say, I really appreciate in the Buzzfeed not to jump between these two articles, Mm -hmm. but I'm kind of using them to complement one another. The Buzzfeed article explaining the whole situation. There's a person in the comment section. And I really appreciate this person who pointed out Basically, do not miss out on the most tragic part in this that the Russian coach uses and discards teen girls. The Mm. main emphasis on the Russian performance this year was on the women's ability to do quads, which almost no other countries do. Lighter skaters are able to complete quads more easily because they can rotate faster. Um, There are several accounts of the Russian team starving the coaches, the coach, the Russian coach, excuse me, starving their young teen girls, giving them hormones to suppress puberty and limiting their water intake during competition periods to keep weight down. Add into that the overt psychological abuse we saw after the final skate and the child abuse goes way beyond just doping a minor. All the more reason for the minimum age to be raised, both to protect the sport 
protect the athlete and the integrity of the sport. Now, I want to talk about two pieces of that comment because I really appreciated that comment from a person that has their username something nursey. So maybe they're a nurse. Um, but yes, the, the the and then going back to the NPR article, the Russians came into this with the intention of quad quadruple jumps. Now, men's figure skaters have been doing quadruples for some time. It is pr- fairly predictable. Um, I give him a ton of credit, U.S. Uh, men's Olympic skater, and he was a coach this year, Adam Rapone. He he gave a great interview on this. He talked about how quads have become very commonplace for um, the men's sport. Now, women want to elevate that, just like Simone Biles has done have has done things for women's gymnastics that have elevated women's gymnastics and brought along skill sets that had typically only been done by the men's sport. She is showing that women can do them too. But it doesn't mean that like everything has to be exactly the same. Like think of like, here's the thing. We're all about equality, but like at the same time, it's understanding that men and women's bodies are different. Men carry their weight in their shoulders. Women carry their weight more like their center of balance, Mm -hmm. I should say. But like where weight distribution lands, uh, women tend to see that in more of their midsection. And that changes how you can do things. It changes how you rotate. It can change how... um, if you're doing gymnastics or, you know, competitive cheerleading, whatever, it changes anything you do, any sport you do, it changes based on your, honestly, your physiology. It just, it is, and that's okay. But that means with these quadruple jumps, it has taken time for women to um, bring this into the sport itself. Many have tried, um, some have been successful um, in some places, but it, it was Camila who she landed the first quadruple in Olympic competition. And um, again, I want to just say, because I think it's so important, she is a stunning athlete. And I hope that she, I hope that this brings, I I can't say I'm confident in this, but I hope she can go find a coach and I hope that she can, I hope there's change. I'm not overly confident with Russia because nothing ever changes with Russia, but she is a beautiful figure skater. Mm -hmm. Um, Her jumps and what she does are so effortless. Now, could that change if say her body changed short? Sure. Um, yeah. but I actually think if she put more muscle on her body, imagine what she could do. Oh, the power. Um, mm-hmm. She'd have so much strength and power. She's a beautiful figure skater. She is incredibly talented. She is one of those people where when I watched her, I was like, aside from anything else, she has a talent that I really hope is not, I hope is not ruined by the people yeah. around her because she could be just so spe- spectacular. She already is spectacular and she's doing so through a lot of terrible things. So imagine what she could do if she actually had the proper support from coaching. Um, the thing with what you had to do with these, these to get these quadruple jumps is Russia didn't just say, hey, you know what, Camilla seems like she could do this. It seems like this is something she's potentially capable of. They're Mm -hmm. like, we're going to have every single one of our figure skaters land these quadruples. We want everyone going for them, which has not maybe possible for everyone. And so the pressure that they put on them to basically make this possible is, I don't know, it, it... 
it just becomes a question of like, should all of them have, should all of them be pushing themselves to that? Is it, Mm -hmm. is it, what's the limit? Where's the limit for an athlete where an athlete's like, that's not something that I can be, that's not my strength. My strength is here. Yeah. But it was like, this was what the, the Russians came into this Olympics doing is they wanted to be the ones landing these quadruple jumps. They wanted to make the history. They wanted to do everything. And when that's the way you go about it is we are going to basically force our athletes to have to accomplish these things you're going to start to see breakdowns, the, the mental health piece of it. You're looking at like that commenter said um, expectations of them losing weight, of them staying mm-hmm. a certain size of them essentially having to be these young athletes always. And again, mm-hmm. they're 15, 17 and 17 are the three Russian t- skaters that we talked about. So Maria Bell, who is one of the United States figure skaters, she's 25 years old. She, she is the oldest United States national champion in almost a hundred years. Like when she got selected for the Olympic team, people were like, Oh my gosh, have you seen how old she is? She's 25. She's 25. That's not old at all. Like that is so young. But when you're skating around people who are on average 15 to 18 years old, like that, it, that does feel old. Now she, because of her experience with the sport did come forward after all of this and said that the minimum age to skate should be 18 years old, like to, to skate at the Olympics mm-hmm. because in her mind, and a lot of people agree with her when they are so young, they're being taken advantage of to a degree that is just unhealthy, both mentally, physically, you name it. And I mean, this is something where could it, could them increasing the age to 18 make things better for the sport overall? I, I think so. But the question that I have is how do you hold, how do you hold Russia accountable in all this? Because if you make the age 18, they're going to find, they're going to just seemingly find ways to like, just get around, like not get around it where they like lie about age so much, but just like, again, suppressing puberty, putting, mm-hmm. putting young women into situations where it's like, fine, if you have to be 18, then we will make an 18 year old be, a, be like, she's 15 or 14. And it's just like, that's the stuff that worries me is how do you actually hold them accountable? Right. I, I feel like, um, yeah, but, or they'd find, uh, it comes across to me given their track record that they would find that loophole somehow, some way. And then I feel like that's just then for the skaters that, you know, if the age limit was moved up to 18, there'd be a workaround or they'd, they'd put even an extra added layer of pressure on these athletes to perform at the level of a younger skater. And I just, it's bonkers. (laughs) I just, I really thinking about that. Yeah. And I really love these comments. Like there's very few times I would ever tell you to read the comment section, (laughs) but the comment section of this Buzzfeed article is actually really good. So another person, uh, by the name of coffee addict, which same, Mm. um, said, I feel bad for all three of them. You had a 15 year old who had zero responsible adults in her life. Then there's a 17 year old second place girl who yes, had a bit of a tantrum, but clearly had so many expectations expectations placed on her that getting a record for her number of quads again going back to what mattered to the russians were these quad jumps so that's why this stood out to me is the fact that she that that was why she was so upset is she gets this record for her quads didn't win gold and it wasn't considered enough and then you have the 17 year old winner 
who was completely ignored, completely ignored. And then another person, which again, I'm like really loving these comments. Another person said, I read that some have cast her talking about Camilla as a villain. Some have cast her as a victim, but the truth is she is the victim of the villains. And I really like that. Um, She's a victim of the villains. And I feel like Russia is going to find this podcast and like come knock on our door. Um, (laughs) But I mean, here's, here's something that I actually said on Greg's podcast of the straight up breakdown podcast. Cause we talked about this until Russia is actually held accountable for any of the things that it does, it's not going to matter. So mm-hmm. you have all these doping scandals and what does Russia end up ha- having happen? They, you know, several years go by, they finally get slapped with some, you know, we're going to show you what happens. Their athletes get to still compete in the Olympics, still get to compete on an international stage. They just don't get to have the Russian national anthem played when they win. They don't get to have their flag flown when they win. What do they get to do? They get to still compete and they get to compete as the Olympic Committee of Russia, the whatever, the the ROC, the Russian Olympic mm-hmm. Committee, that's what it is. They get to compete as the ROC, which you have Vladimir Putin sitting, Putin sitting in the um, stands at the opening ceremonies of these games, cheering them on, waving to them, la, 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 getting ready to invade Ukraine, all this just fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just sitting there just like, just so happy for his athletes. You have the literal ruler of Russia sitting in the opening ceremonies, cheering his athletes on who are competing under a Russian Olympic committee. And you think that that's showing them anything until the Olympic committee actually gets gets like just decides to actually do something and prevent them from competing. Nothing is changing. Nothing is changing. They are going to just view this as a slap on the wrist. So congrats. This is going to be what we see again in two years at the Summer Olympics. This is what we're going to see four years at the next Winter Olympics. It is going to continue because nobody is holding them accountable. And it's incredibly frustrating when you watch these talented athletes who are sucked up into a system that is not going to allow them to be anything but a part of a controversial system that doesn't care about them as athletes, just cares about the gold medals mm-hmm. and what they can show people for accomplishing said, you know, oh, we're going to be the ones doing the quad drums. We're going to be blah, 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 blah. like, it's just, it's maddening because it just doesn't matter. Like we're having yeah. this conversation. We'll probably have in four years because the, the Olympics aren't going to do anything. I will eat my words if they do, but they, they talk about, you have the president of the Olympic committee basically saying how chilling that was to watch and how like, that what like do something about it yeah buddy like you have the power but in fact instead they're just going to talk about how sad it was yeah no i i 100 percent agree with you i think it's super it is super frustrating like okay cool like everybody sees this play out and then you have you have comments like that and then and then what so we're just going to comment on it and then that's it like that's that's it cool yeah and (laughs) I think the viewership really showed this, but the thing is, is like at the end of the day, the Olympics, like it kind of feels like a help, not like a helpless situation. I want people to kind of just be like, well, there's nothing I can do. Like move on. Like there, there's clearly like, we, we need to be vocal about it. We need to talk about it because that is, that is a way to make changes by Mm -hmm. being vocal and talking about things. But I will say it does feel a little bit like, is anyone in the Olympic committee even listening? Do they even care? Or is it really just about like withholding what they believe to be this, like, just like basically make it, make it all be okay. It just, you know, 
the Olympics, like for me growing up, I often joked, I am never more patriotic than when the Olympics are on because it's like, I don't, I'm yay USA, whatever. And then like the Olympics comes on and I'm like decked out. I'm like USA (laughs) Olympic. um, Yes. Like here I am. Like I literally have like shirts that say like USA specifically just for the Olympics. Like this is the time you want me to be patriotic. The Olympics is my time this time. And so like for me growing up, like I would watch these things and just idolize these athletes. I would be so impressed. I would like fall in love with so many of them and their, their talent and just like what they were able to do. And it's not that that wasn't in these Olympics. We talked about it last week. There were a ton of firsts mm-hmm. or maybe it was two episodes ago. Regardless, we've talked about how there were a lot of firsts that happened in this, in these, in these games. Like there were a lot of greatness that happened and it all got overshadowed by the fact that all this other stuff was happening. And it's like, is yeah. that what they want? Is they want, do they want people to just not care? Yeah. That's, I feel like that, that's a really good point. Like, like, do they care more about controversy than they do about celebrating all the other amazing things that happened? I mean, you had a speed skater that um, broke like a world record. (laughs) Um, There are a few of them actually. And Mm -hmm. like, that was just like a blip on the map because the only thing that people were focusing on seemingly um, in the media was what was going on with the figure skaters. It's just so sad. It makes me sad because here's, here's for the sake of like, in case you maybe miss some of these, here are historical firsts. And I'm going to just focus on the United States mm-hmm. because our listenership is 100% yeah. USA based. Um, historic first achieved by team USA. This is coming from NBC, which again, NBC is your Olympic provider. So it makes sense that they want you to know the good things too. Um, Kaylee Humphrey is 35 year old, 35 years old was the first to clinch gold for the women's monobob event. Um, she had won three Olympic medals representing Canada, but this is her first medal representing team USA. This also marks the first ever medal to be won at a women's monobob. The event debuted in 2022, if you are wondering. Um, Here's the thing. I don't actually know what monobob is. And um, (laughs) 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 Um, I literally had to Google what is monobob. Um, And I appreciate the the Olympics, olympics.com, having a article on their website titled, What is the New female only Olympic monobob event that will feature at Beijing Olympics. So it's, it's just, it's like a bobsled. It's just an individual yeah. monobob, <laughs> which makes <laughs> sense after I read it. Uh, while the teammates of bobsled divide among themselves, the roles of pushing, driving, braking, the monobob athlete has to do it all on her own in a sled weighing at least 162 kilograms. Um, Bless this person, the Olympian Jasmine Finlater Victorian from Jamaica said, it does get lonely sometimes. The sled also weighs <laughs> almost the same as I do as the two, as the two woman bobsled and you need someone to help you carry it. But just anyway, super fun. Um, the United States won, won a medal uh, for this event, which is super fun too. Like I said, thank you to the internet for when I Googled it, it was right there, ready, available. Yes. <laughs> I do want to just point out again, I'm reading these achievements from NBC.com. So if you're wondering where I'm getting these, that is where I am. So um, Aaron Jackson, 29 years old, made history by becoming the first black woman to medal in the niche sport of speed 
speed skating. I love how NBC claims it's a niche sport. Is speed skating niche? Is it a niche sport? I would not have considered Maybe. it niche, but are all of these sports niche, to be honest with you? Like right. monobomb, um, that feels niche. Anyway, she clinched gold during the women's 500 meter speed skating event. So that was incredible for her. And, you know, obviously Team USA, but really incredible for her. Lindsay Jacob Ellis, who's 36, and Nick Baumgarter, 40, were the first pair to earn Team USA a medal in the mixed team snowboardy snowboard cross. Um, by the way, Olympic sports are just uh, winter sports are just so wild. Um, the Team USA trio of Ashley Caldwell, Chris Lillis, and Justin Schoenfeld secured the, the United States their first gold in freestyle ski skiing aerials since 1998. That is, uh, again, these sports are so wild to like just yeah. look at them. Uh, Nathan Chen, who's 22 years old, clinched the first gold Olympic gold medal during the men's free skate for the United States. He is the seventh American man to win a gold medal in Olympic figure skating. So in the first uh, Olympic gold since 2010 for the United States uh, in men's figure skating. Uh, let's see. Alex Hall earned his first Olympic medal in men's free free ski slope style. Um, and then. 22-year-old skating star Nathan Chen set the record for the highest scorer in the men's figure skating to go back. They should have put those two sections together. Um, anyway, basically Nathan Chen just out here like crushing all the records. But so yeah. Alexander Hall also had his uh, in the men's free ski slope style. Uh, the oldest woman to medal at any winter games was Lindsay Jacob Ellis. I said she was 36-year-old. She became the oldest United States athlete to earn a first place position on the po podium. Uh that's wild. 36 is not old at all, but no. <laughs> <laughs> hope not. <laughs> oh, I digress. Um, so let's see. Al Elena Myers Taylor, who's 37 years old, made Olympic history after clinching her fourth and fifth medals in Beijing. Um, her first medal was a bronze in the 20 2010 Vancouver Olympics in the two women bobsled. Uh, she had silver in the two women bobsled in Sochi in 2014 and Peugeot in 2018. She added a third silver medal to her Olympic resume in the brand new women's motto bob in 2022. So she made history as the most decorated black winter Olympian when she claimed another bronze in the two women bobsled on the pen penultimate day of the Beijing Winter Olympics. So long story short, there's so many, like I'm, here's the thing. This list keeps going. There's other people yeah. who had amazing events. Um, and there's people who aren't from the United States who made history as well. And I think it's really easy, especially after I think it's really easy to kind of get hung up in the idea of like, well, the Olympics didn't feel very special and they didn't, but I do want people to at least like, and I'm trying to be mindful of this for myself too. A lot of really good did happen. And I hope that, I hope that in the next two years and in the next four years, we can find some of that Olympic spirit again. Mm -hmm. And what I've always kind of felt Olympic spirit was, is just this like, you have this opportunity to watch the best athletes on the, in the world on this international stage and watch them do great things. But I don't want to watch that at the sake of their mental health. I don't yeah. want to watch that at the sake of their physical health. I want to watch that knowing that they're, they're competing because they love it. And this is something that they are not being abused for. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been the hardest part is realizing in a lot of ways, so many of these athletes, which over the last three episodes I've talked about, 
you know, a, a Camilla being this incredible athlete. And I still feel this way about her. I still think, but it makes me sad that like, here's this young woman that like, I so badly want to like, I want her to just enjoy. And you know what? If she ultimately doesn't continue figure skating, I just want her to live her life. I just want her to have a happy life. I would love to see her go and just be an absolute badass in figure skating, but the situation she's in may not allow for her to be that way. And it's Mm -hmm. really unfortunate, but like, I don't want to watch Olympics where behind the scenes, we're watching these athletes fall apart because they're being abused by their coaches. Like, I don't think anyone wants that. No one wants that. No. I agree with you. I, I hope that maybe, I don't know, maybe our little podcast will help <laughs> in some way, maybe make well, some changes come on the podcast, <laughs> right? Um, I'll no, have, that was really we'll have to get like Google translate going. Although I'm pretty <laughs> sure she knows how to speak English because yeah. literally, um, everyone knows how to speak English. And then it makes me feel really sad that like, I can like half speak, like not even very well, but I can kind of speak German, but not well. Like yeah. does me no good. It's like, I should have, I sh- you know, to all of you who took your, I did, I did take German seriously, but like to people who like took, you know, it's not too late. Duolingo exists. Yeah. Duolingo exists. And that Duolingo is like single-handedly running TikTok. So <laughs> look, maybe I need to sign up and start taking like Spanish or something so I can actually right. like learn another language that it's no just, one's going to know. If you like just tuned in, you're like, how did you get here? It's just basically me saying that if we want to have a Russian figure skater on our podcast, I'm not going to be able to speak Russian. And I could have said I was going to use Duolingo to learn Russian, but I think Spanish would be more of a prominent language for me right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's how I got there. <laughs> The other thing too, is that like, even if you learn a second language, if you don't utilize it all the time, you'll lose it. Um, I took yes four years of Spanish in high school. I don't remember anything, but the Spanish I learned in a work when I was working in a kitchen. <laughs> mm-hmm. I actually, so fun fact, I became like, I use semi-fluent, like in the sense that like, I was, I, I could, I could, I could listen. I could understand what someone mm-hmm. was saying to me in German. I could speak German. All right. I could read it. Um, I still had plenty of work to do. One of my favorite stories to tell people is how, when I was in Germany, I was like really adamant that I wanted to speak to people or at least try to speak to people in German. And I told a woman that I really liked, well, I wanted to tell her I really liked her earrings and I did. And she looked at me like I had snakes growing out of my ears. And I was just like, well, all right, like whatever. Maybe like she finds that compliment to be odd until it wasn't until later that I realized I told her I liked her yogurt. I didn't use the word. So she (laughs) she had to have just been so confused what this person was telling her. So um, I will say you're very, very right. Uh, If you don't speak it, if you're not around it, like I am an absolute atrocious mess when it comes to German now, like I can kind of, I can kind of understand, but it's just not the same. So if you are taking, keep, keep going because you will lose it if you don't. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, I just, you know, the Olympics have come and gone. It's just funny. Like when I think back on like, so two episodes ago when we were talking about the Olympics and, um, just lunar lunar new year had just started. Mm -hmm. Um, we were talking about, uh, just all the excitement around the games and how the athletes were having this incredible opportunity to experience 
uh, the Lunar New Year firsthand in China. And so many of the amazing event organizers were providing that experience to these athletes. And um, I don't, you know, I'm still so grateful for so many, like to see the athletes and like many of them who shared it on TikTok or on Instagram. Um, clearly that experience meant the world to them. And I'm so grateful for it. And for so many of them, the Olympics were amazing, amazing. But I think it's just a reminder that things don't have to continue operating that the way that they have, like things mm-hmm. can get better. And, um, I, I love the, I, I love the idea of the Olympics, but I think if nothing else, the last two and a half weeks of the Olympics have shown me that, um, it's not great right now. And if we want to be able to celebrate these athletes truly for everything, we need to find a way to make the Olympics a more fair and equitable space for all, because otherwise we're just going to keep running into this every two to four years. And it's just like, you know, who wants to watch that? Clearly people don't because people didn't show up for it this time. Exactly. I don't know. Well, who, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will point out really quick, um, one of the most amazing dates we are recording this on one of the best dates of history. It's two 22, It's a palindrome, which means it's the same forward as it is backwards. Obviously there have been other palindrome dates. It's not like this is the first or anything people because it is falling on a Tuesday are calling it Tuesday T O T W O S D A. Um, my favorite line about this whole date is CNN wrote, it's the most exceptional date in over a decade. <laughs> but oh, okay. <laughs> they wrote that because it's coming from palindrome enthusiast Aziz Anand. He's a professor of electrical engineering at the University of Portland in Oregon, and he has been studying palindrome dates for over 14 years, um, which is amazing. I do yeah. love this. He said he feels these dates have magical powers in terms of getting people's attention, no matter the date. So he also brought up that November 11, 2011 was another one being 11, 11, 11. So basically by the time you're listening to this, this will be, you know, past well past, but a lot of people are expecting Vegas to be very, very busy on oh, Tuesday because yeah. a lot of people are going to get married on two twenty two twenty two. Um, Sacramento, California will have had 222 couples married at the state capitol. They set that up intentionally. The ceremony will start at 2 p.m. and they will marry 222 people in 22 minutes. <laughs> so that's how they do that. I'm guessing they just have them all. I don't know. I'm going to have to look this up by the time yeah. everyone's reading this. Let's go Google. Um, Couples in Singapore also get eager to get married. They have a bunch of people who have already signed up at the, uh, they said that they had a large number of people who would register to get married on February 22nd. Um, this is so wild. I, I, people are like, how did we get here? I just am really, really sad, but here's the thing. If you're listening to this and you're like, dang, I missed it. I missed the two twenty two twenty two fund. Technically, February 23rd and February 28th are also palindrome dates. So yeah. two, 23, 22 is the same. Um, and same thing, I guess, couldn't all of them be? Oh, through. Yeah. February 23rd through February 24th. Yeah. My brain was not, I was like, why just those two dates? So basically you can cel- celebrate palindrome dates for the rest of the month if you want to. They're yeah. all going to be palindromes. Maybe not as cool as two, 22, 22, 
but still pretty cool. Yeah. Still pretty cool. Well, dig it. There's your information that no one asked for. Um, although <laughs> I actually did see, I will leave everyone with this. If a portal opens for you on 22222, will you email us and let us know at mindyourownpodcast at hillvarsity.com? The reason why is I stumbled upon an astrologist on TikTok who was saying that on 22222, you need to manifest things because a portal to the higher being realm, which I'm not making fun of this at all. Like I do get kind of like, I do find this stuff really interesting. But apparently great things could happen today. So if something great happens, whether a portal to the other dimension opens or you just you get a raise or you get a new job or you something significant happens in your life, will you let us know? I'm manifesting getting my first goal in a hockey game tonight. Ooh. I'm manifesting it right now. <laughs> yeah, 222-22. What if you get two? How crazy would that be? That would oh, be amazing. Wild. Okay, I'm manifesting I, two. I'm manifesting but I'll take this. one. We'll take whatever. We'll take it. <laughs> But I'm going to manifest it for you, too, because I have nothing to manifest today. I'm just like out here living <laughs> here. I'm going to manifest um, another video on my TikTok to go viral other than the one of me walking into a cabinet door. Um, hilarious, by the way. Um, <laughs> that, really hard. The fact that 150,000 people are like, yes, that's the video. I'm like, of course it is. Um but the amount of people who think I did that on purpose, the reality right. behind that video is I was trying to get Scout to record a TikTok with me. And so I had gone and gotten her, her like container of treats and brought it into the living room. I forgot that I left the uh, cabinet door open or the mm -hmm. cabinet door open and walked, turned the corner and walked smack dab into it because I was looking at the videos I had just filmed on my phone of Scout. Um, if I, and I might share the whole video at some point. I had a total Jim Halper office moment because after I had hit my head, put the treats back, I realized our ring camera in the kitchen and you see me turn really slowly and just stare at it, like <laughs> realizing it had been captured, which I'm glad it did because there are many moments where I'm like sad that our house did not capture the stupid thing. Like the time Jack's chased a rabbit into our house. Oh, I wish yeah. there had been cameras to capture that moment or the time there was a spider on the cushion of a chair that we have. And instead of just killing the spider, I picked the whole cushion up and took it outside. And you can <laughs> see me in our front yard. So I'm like, why could none of that be captured? Right, so you're saying I need to get a ring inside my house because there are oftentimes when, especially Mario moments that I want to capture. Um, that would be oh, amazing. Man. Like I still haven't captured. He does this thing and it's the cutest damn thing ever, but it's also hilarious. Every time he sees a toy on the ground, he like jumps at it with his paws oh. like really hard and it's super cute. And so I'm just going to get a ring so I can capture that. Good maybe vibes on a two twenty two twenty two day. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a deal out there somewhere where somebody can, somebody can, uh, is it like Amazon running a deal today? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's go look. <laughs> let's go look. Well, if you have anything exciting to share with us, send us an email at mindyourownpodcast at hillvarsity.com. We have gotten some emails from you as far as like topic ideas, which we mm -hmm. love. So we will be definitely following up on those here soon. But just shoot us a note. We love to hear from you. Mind your own podcast at hillvarsity.com. We're also on Twitter at Aaron Sorensen and at Sasha72. I promise we won't talk about the Olympics next week because if we are, good lord but <laughs> we will be back and we will talk about more exciting fun stuff who knows 222 go live i hope you're all living your best palindrome lives for the next yes. few days do it and we will be we will be back with the next episode 
next week. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you later. Bye. A Huda Media Production.